Yeah. My dog will doubtlessly start barking at some point. The doorbell will go. The planes will start flying overhead. It's <laughs> always mayhem. But good. Hello and welcome to the Respectfully podcast. I'm Nikki Pope, your host for this regular hairdressing conversation. My guest in this episode is Jade Phillips, the founder of mainhookup.com. For consumers, Main Hookup takes the stress out of finding someone who really can work with Afro hair. And for hairdressers, it's perfect for promoting your services to the right clients. While chatting about her enterprise, Jade and I also talked over how important it is for our industry to continue to get to grips with and support hairdressers everywhere in offering better services for people with Afro hair. She has quite a way with words, and I think you'll be inspired. Welcome to the Respectfully Podcast. Jade, nice to see you. No, it's great to, great to be here. I appreciate being invited on. Well, it's always nice to see a friendly face, even though we are still doing this on screen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm delighted to have you with us to talk about your new brand. Well, it's new to me, but you can tell us the history, Main Hookup. What's the big idea? What is the Main Hookup? Well, I guess I'll start with how... I ended up coming up with the idea that might help. Basically, I used to kind of chemically straighten my hair a few years ago, and then I stopped about four, four and a half years ago, I stopped and I went back to my natural Afro hair. And even though I live in London, it was just very difficult for me to find a hairstylist beyond word of mouth. It was just like, you know, if you could, you could speak to friends, family members, they could be like, yeah, this person's great, that person's great. But I just thought actually what I what I'd like to do is just to be able to flick through a few stylists, see some pictures, um, you know, see some reviews because it's all good. Somebody saying that they're great, you know, they can make a huge effort for somebody that's been coming back to them for years. But do they make the same effort as somebody that's uh, a new customer? Um, and it's so personal, isn't it? I mean, hair, yeah. hair and hairdressers are personal. Yeah, exactly. And it's just it also depends on how well you get along with people. Some people want to go in and have a really chatty hairdresser who's going to, you know, have a conversation with them for the next hour, hour and a half. Other people just want to sit in the chair yeah. and chill yeah. <laughs> because it's been a long week um, and they just want to relax and get their hair done. So there just wasn't there, there weren't really many options. All of the mainstream platforms, the treat worlds, the booksies of the world, they had loads of stylists, but not stylists that specialize in managing Afro right. hair. Um, so they just weren't particularly useful for me. They're useful for lots of other people, just not for me. Uh, and I just thought, it, I feel like it's a bit ridiculous that we live in this world where we basically carry mini computers in the palm of our hand day yeah. to day. And I can't literally just go online and find someone, yeah. um, you know, in, in a few clicks. And, and so in the spirit of creating a solution versus complaining about it, <laughs> I, chose, I chose to start working on um, in hookup. Do you have a hair background? Are you from the hairdressing industry as such? No, not from the hairdressing industry at all. I've always worked in marketing, work for digital product, like I work in digital product and marketing. That's my background, which means that I feel quite well placed to build out a product like this because I know how it should work. Yeah. And I've been really fortunate to work with different companies at different stages, whether they've been really well established and big corporates or whether they've been small, like family run businesses or startups, scale ups. I've actually been able to see how this works in terms of building out a platform, at least a digital platform from the ground up. Yeah. So that's where I, I bring in my expertise. So currently it's a platform, mainhookup.com. Yep. 
but it's going to be an app hopefully that's the brand that's the ambition to have it as an app yeah that's the ambition it will always be online um so people will always be able to find it by browsing online and eventually it will be kind of an online platform and an app just in terms of accessibility making sure that people can keep it on their phone so whenever they need to go back it's just it's already there it's easy for them to get to but i just find in terms of building up that brand and that visibility having something that's an online platform versus an app is it just makes it a bit easier to reach people so you have lists so somebody can put in where they are and then search for a yep. salon that might be near them i know you have several categories so you can say you know i'm particularly looking for braiding or or something or natural hair but you also have do you have a feedback section is it like endorsement like TripAdvisor? people leave reviews yeah so for customers they literally like you said put in their postcode, select the style that, that or the type of style that they're looking for, whether it's box braids, dreadlocks, twists, and then the search results bring up all of the stylists, either independent stylists or salons that are in their local area that they can book an appointment with. And so for stylists, they end up getting feedback from their customers. So maybe about two or three days after somebody's booked an appointment, they'll get an email saying, oh, okay, great, you've had your appointment. Um, what was it like? Can you go back on online and rate your appointment with your stylist? So stylists have an opportunity to build up their own reputation at the same time. And there's, I guess, that level of, accountability because there's again lots of people will promote themselves and um when you're looking for for stylists and you find lots of them on social media obviously you see the best of them but you don't ever get to see oh what were the appointments that went wrong how often does that happen if it barely happens you know that's life yeah (laughs) not everybody's going to walk away happy unfortunately but at least it gives stylists like i said the opportunity to build up their reputation over time so how do you select or do you select? Is is it like everybody is welcome to be listed or do you is there any kind of selection or criteria they have to meet? I haven't gone through a selection process just because I want to keep the door open. There are lots of people that might be up and coming stylists that are very good. And I don't want people to feel as if, oh, I'm not good enough or I'm not ready to use a platform like this. I want to use it to serve people on both sides of the chair. It needs to serve the customers in terms of giving them the access to the stylists that are available, but also has to serve the stylists and the hair salons so that they have access to customers. They feel like they can build themselves up using this platform as well. And ultimately, I just really want to help businesses to thrive um, because you know when you're a hands-on professional you spend your day looking after other people it takes so much energy and effort to also be promoting yourself and most of the time there are lots of stylists that either don't know how to go about doing that or even if they do they just don't have the time because they're time poor because they're constantly you know there are stylists that will work on somebody's hair until eight nine ten o'clock at night and then have all of a few hours to themselves Um, on top of having a life if they've got family and they've got kids and things so I want to make this as accessible as possible and if anything the review system helps to filter out people that you know people may um, uh, advertise the services on the website and the, the review system should help improve quality or drive quality if that yeah makes sense. so you almost don't need to do the selection process because if you can get the review system going it will self sort yeah interesting so and can freelancers do they need to be a salon or can they be individuals do you it can be both independent stylists and salon owners the price we have like a three-month free trial 
and then it's a very like it's a minimal subscription fee we also don't take commission like some of the other platforms again the purpose is we want as much of this to serve the people using it as possible right. uh, and so independence i based on the research that I've done, actually make up the bulk of the industry, in terms of Afro hair anyway. Really? Yeah, there's like loads of independents more so than there are salons. So it has to serve both. And so for, for me, it's about making sure everybody, or at least independent stylists as well as salon owners, feel comfortable with using the platform. And it's been built in a way that both can use it. Right. So for salons, they can add their team members to it. And when people are select, like they're booking their appointment, they can say, oh, okay, cool. I want this person to do my hair. So they can select the style and they can select the stylist if they have multiple stylists in the salon. So how does it work? Do you, so you offer a booking system as well and that then yep. the salons will dovetail with their own booking system or do you take, you don't take over their whole booking system? Essentially, it's basically its own booking system. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend people try to double up. That would probably give them more admin than yeah. they need, <laughs> especially when, like I said, they're time poor. So that's more admin um, than I think they would want anyway. And uh, what we've done is we've created quite a comprehensive booking system. So everything from you can see the list of all your appointments that are coming up and all of your past appointments. They can see all of their reviews and reply to their reviews. They can build out their profile, add all of their services, um, change the times and days. Everything can be managed through the the stylist dashboard. Wow. So they'll have their own, when they log in, they have their own dashboard and it has all of these different sections that they're able to manage their entire account through. So I would say it's best that they just use one thing. So it's like, it's offering a salon website really then to them. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, okay. it's basically like a booking tool. So for the stylists, they get this like really comprehensive booking yeah. tool. And for the customers, they get access to all of these different stylists and salons who know how to manage Africa. Right. Wow. If I wanted to use um, subscribe to the main hookup and I didn't have a website, you would almost be my website. I wouldn't need another one. It would be where people yeah. would go to see me. Okay, so it's quite saving. Yeah. You mentioned a three-month trial period that you offer. Yeah. And then what might the subscription be? Does it depend on the size or how much you use it? Or is there just one fixed fee? It's a fixed fee at the moment. So it depends on whether you're an independent stylist or you're a salon owner. So independents are charged $7.99 a month. Right. Salon owners are charged $10.99 a month. And then they can add a maximum of eight team members. Wow. Gosh, sounds pretty pretty accessible to me. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's like I said, that's the, the point is that I want to... I'm, want I built it to help yeah. people um built it to solve a problem but also to help people and also given the year or the 18 months that everybody has had dealing with covid and the way that it really you know hit the hair and beauty industry the reason that I've offered like a prolonged trial period is is yeah. for that purpose because I know that there are some people that are still recovering from that you know yeah. some industries have gone back to normal others yeah. haven't uh, and so if there's any way that I can help alleviate that and help businesses to get back on their feet, then I'll take the opportunity to do that. Um, so at the moment, we've got the three month trial. We'll probably be keeping that live until January at the latest. And then we'll go back to a 30 day trial at that okay, point. Cool. And I'm really interested to see the content on the site, but also on your social media. So the Instagram, for example, you're kind of building up like a resource, aren't you? You're chatting to people, you're talking about um trends styles offering ideas of where to get inspiration from films things like that so 
that seems to be quite a strong part of the proposition as well. Yeah, I think for, for, for me anyway, it's about creating community. And, you know, you do that by offering people something of value. And then they come back to you and you have people that you're constantly having conversations with. Um, one of the big things uh, I feel social media should be used for isn't always. <laughs> um, but is sharing things, sharing content that's really valuable and helpful to, to our audience. So I do have somebody that's a social media manager who takes care of our Instagram and Alicia does a great work. She does a great job. But we're always thinking about what content can we produce that is going to be helpful. So we're highlighting lots of different businesses that are doing a great job. We've done some interviews with businesses as well. And we're going to be posting those. Um, we've posted things like you, like um, you mentioned, films that really highlight the nuances of black yeah. hair. You know, we'll be talking about things like different books people can read, people who've had like a huge impact in black history, but also black British history. Because I think we naturally learn a lot about American yeah. history yeah. when it comes to black history, but not enough about British history. So, you know, we'll be doing a lot of that. And the same thing happened last year when there were all of the protests. It was very much about, okay, what can we do to help people recognise the gravity of this problem that exists? Yeah. And it's not just in America. It is, you know, there, it happens everywhere. Like, how can we help people to recognise that this is a problem? What can you do to be a part of the solution? So for me, it's about using those platforms in a real, like it just in a really powerful way to help people yeah along their journey in any way, shape or form. And I've also partnered with about 15 black owned hair brands as well. And that again, is a part of creating a community of business owners where we can all help each yeah. other. Because I noticed that, that you have things like there's lists, you've got business lists and product companies, things like that on your on the website, as well as a resource of where people can find things. Yeah. Do you think we are getting any better at all? Let's talk about the hair and beauty industry specifically. In the past, mm year since the raising of awareness because of what happened with George Floyd over a year ago a lot of us think we're trying to make an effort now and we're trying to help do you see it improving do you see visibility improving or I mean I know we've got a massive long way to go I think there's it tends to be a bit of a trend so what happens is because George Floyd sadly isn't the first yeah. um and again sadly he may not be the last yeah. uh, and it's horrible to say but those incidents have been happening for years and years and years and what I've seen happen is something really shocking and horrible yeah. happens yeah. loads of people join to make a lot of noise about it to make sure that their voices are heard there's a period of where everybody is trying to be really active yeah. and that last that could last uh, maybe a year a bit yeah. longer and then gradually old habits creep yeah. back in so I think the problem isn't the reaction because a lot of people do react and think, oh gosh, what can I do? How can I make this situation better? How can I be a part of the solution and not be a part of the problem? People ask the right questions at yeah. the time, but they don't keep asking the right yeah. questions. They get to a point that they stop. So for me, it's less to do with the fact that there's change. Yeah, there is a little bit of a shift. Sometimes there's a bit of positive change um, and you can't take away from that. But it's actually about saying, how can we change this all together so that we, history stops repeating yeah. itself? And that's the problem is that history continuously repeats itself. And in terms of people in, I can't speak for everybody, but of the people that I speak to, it's very tiring. It's like it's exhausting. Yeah. It's emotionally and mentally exhausting 
to go through the same thing over and over again. Oh, there's been a horrible shooting. Oh, there's been a horrible this. Oh, somebody's unjustly been killed by the police. And there's all this noise and all of this effort, and then it just stops. Or some of the effort is um, very superficial. Yeah, and then it just makes one feel, apart from exhausted and emotionally sort of burnt out, it's quite cynical in, you know, it's like, what's the point? We're now getting conversations where we've been trying to sort of positively discriminate to to be actually anti-racist and to try and really push things through but now people are starting to say oh we're in danger now of making it too segregated again you know because we're talking about afro black hair so much you're actually beginning to make it segregated and I'm saying okay but we're not you can't say that yet it's not we haven't addressed it enough for you to start saying oh now the balance has gone the other way in an ideal world yes every hairdresser whether they themselves are black or white should be able to look after every client whether they have afro hair or Mm. not but we're not there yet by a long chalk Mm. so we have to be positively discriminated we have to yeah and i agree there has to be that like say until it gets to a point where you know I could walk into any salon and anybody could do my hair yeah or an actress could go on set and anybody could do or a model or anybody else who's ever felt diminished because there wasn't somebody who could do your hair as if it was a problem yeah and a lot of the time it's the fact that our hair is looked at or described as as if it's a problem so people will use words like oh it's difficult or you know, this takes too much time. Yeah. Um, and actually, the hair that grows out of our scalp, of my scalp, is not the problem. Yeah. It's the fact that if you're too short on time, you should have planned more time yeah. because you're on a television set. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. if it's it's not difficult, you just haven't been trained. Yeah. If you were trained, it wouldn't be difficult yeah. for you. You would just know what you're doing. And I think it's about reframing the way that we describe things so that people recognise that actually the fault isn't with the person yeah. and it isn't with their hair. It would, could be a lack of education. It could be, like I said, a lack of time. But it's not actually the hair itself that's the problem. Yeah. And it starts so young as well. Even the schools have that attitude, you know, somebody's hair is too big or it needs yeah. taming or it's untidy or, you know, yeah. I think that happens a lot. It's like work like that like taming or tidy and especially the word tidy because sometimes I think tidy in comparison to what yeah and that's that's where the I think words like that come to you're you're comparing afro hair to European hair and it's not the same yeah so you can have hair that by standards for afro hair looks very tidy but it's not that doesn't mean that edges have to be laid and that everything has to be slicked back or that somebody has to straighten their hair my hair doesn't naturally do that. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mean that it's messy. That just means that it's different. It's, yeah. um, and it can look tidy in its own right, but that doesn't mean it will look like straight or wavy hair. It's still, it will still look different. Mm. Um, and there's, there's, I think there's a lot to do with unpicking that language yeah. that people use yeah. around Afro hair because a lot of that language will then have a huge impact on the way that people feel when they see yeah. it. And how do you feel about, because again, coming so coming back to that language, you're absolutely right. So there's a big sort of conversation um, or nervousness about using the word Afro or black hair. So a lot of um, people are more comfortable saying textured hair, which to me doesn't quite do it because actually my hair's textured. It's just smooth. The texture is smooth. Mm. So I, I don't really understand why people are so nervous about saying Afro hair. That, that's really interesting. I guess I haven't come up against that maybe because a lot of the hairdressers that I speak to are Afro hairdressers. Yeah. So it just tends to be the language that is used. I do think that the 
some people it's like in an attempt to not further offend yeah yeah <laughs> people then overthink yeah. um and i think afro hair that's what that's what it is yeah. it is afro hair it's afro it's curly like you said everybody everybody has a texture to their hair so there's no point in saying it's textured yeah. It's just Afro hair. Yeah. It's, you know, some people will describe it as black hair because it's typically black people that have hair of that texture. I think those two words are fine. Um, obviously, to each to their own. Yeah. But I just think that, that that is almost an attempt to not offend. And that's not, I don't yeah, think that's I think it necessary. comes, potentially it comes from a good place, but actually it just doesn't really address the the situation i i just think we should just all ask questions more we're just too nervous about we're so as you say mostly it comes from a desire to not offend by sort of you know just being a bit too tentative but if you just usually come out and ask the question you know say how should i call this what would you refer to it as i think that's got to be part of the way forward by actually just saying you know what are you comfortable with yeah and also I mean like I said we have mini computers in the palm of our hand (laughs) now anybody you you can search for anything these days you can go on YouTube and watch tutorials and see you know of the people who are producing that type of content for afro hair how are they describing their hair like what are they referring to a lot of people refer to their hair system so they might not necessarily say afro hair they might say my hair texture is you know it's 4c yeah or 3a or whatever it is so you know there are lots of different ways that people refer to their hair and i think part of it is like say asking questions um and part of it is also like self-educating because one of the things that i firmly believe is that people need to go out of their way to educate themselves as well because it is not also not the responsibility of all black people to educate yes. <laughs> others. Yeah. Because that is also exhausting. Yeah. Like whilst we obviously we have to be a part of the conversation if we want the conversation to go in the right, you know, in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can't be left out of the conversation, but at the same time, we can't be responsible for answering every question. There are some questions that can just be answered simply by reading articles, listening to a podcast, watching videos and taking that time out to think about, you know, what are the issues that I can see that are ongoing in my place of work? And how can, like you say, how can I be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem? So yeah, I'd say it's a balance, but in all honesty, I have no issue. I've I've not heard anybody say they have an issue with addressing it as a, as Afro hair. So that just feels really strange to me. But I don't think that's a problem. No, I think well, I think sometimes I the manufacturers are doing it quite a lot, especially if they're sort of manufacturers who perhaps haven't um, been focused on the Afro hair market before. They're bringing in lots right. of you know com- lots of courses and training. Yeah, and maybe it's also they need, you know, they need black people in the yeah. room when they're making those decisions because like I said it's all good and well saying let's address this problem let's make sure that we're making it more of a, a diverse and inclusive industry but you then have to bring the people who have been excluded into the yeah. room so that you can make the right decisions yeah. uh, and so if you're trying to make those decisions yourself that's not necessarily going to be helpful because like you said you then get into this point of I don't know what to say I don't know what language to use like what is offensive what isn't offensive if you had enough you know, black, mixed race, people who basically have Afro hair in the room, you would have those answers at hand. Yeah. So I think that with with processes like that, it's actually about bringing 
enough people in the room so that you've got that balanced view before you even start putting more courses out there or more um, products out there what what can you do to educate yourself first brilliant very good point very good point bringing it back to a main hookup again would you so you accept any salon or independent asking to be listed yeah but so how would it be if you had a salon that said, okay, we are, we, you know, maybe we're a well-known franchise, but we do have people on our team who can do box braids and dreadlocks, things like that. I would say as long as they're trained and they know what they're, that, the main thing is that they're trained and they know what they're right. doing, right? Um, so, you know, like I say, if you've got a salon that say they've got 10 people there and of those 10 people, three of them know how to manage Afro or curly hair, then those three people can be listed underneath that salon name. Okay. It just means that those three people will get those bookings because there's no point in putting the other seven yeah. on okay. there if they're not, if they don't have that training and they don't know how to manage that, um, you know, that type of hair. So for me, it's about people who are good at managing Afro yeah. hair and if we're pushing for people all people who are training to become hairdressers are now being educated about Afro hair whilst they're taking those courses then we have to facilitate that change we can't ask for people to change in that way and then not, not allow it yeah. facilitate like and then and then kind of block them when it gets to finding clients that that um, would d- defeat the purpose so for me it's all about making sure people have that training brilliant, brilliant. and you're nationwide so it's everywhere yes good brilliant yeah great thank you very much that was really interesting thank you for talking to us and keep in touch we should watch with interest to see how things go oh that's great thank you nikki i really appreciate being invited on thank you thank you to my guest jade phillips at mainhookup.com you can jump onto the site to find out more for yourself or look at instagram mainhookup If you'd like to listen to more of our hairdressing respectfully conversations, then please visit us on Spotify, iTunes or on the respectyou.me site. There are plenty of interesting subjects that have been up for debate over the past 80-something episodes. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate and review us as it helps drive us up the charts and make hairdressing podcasts easier to find. Until next time, bye.